With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Wisdom Cricket World Cup Daily Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Scene, who we've partnered with to deliver all of our daily podcasts and videos for the rest of the 2023 World Cup. Starting soon on Wisdom.com, Scene will be powering our new interactive videos, allowing you to easily skip to certain segments and find relevant articles, offers and opportunities by simply clicking directly within the video. India are in the World Cup final. The hosts made it 10 wins in a row at the 2023 World Cup on a historic day at the Wankhede Stadium that also saw Virat Kohli become the first player to score 50 ODI 100s. India piled on 397 for four. New Zealand put up a decent fight and with Mitchell and Williamson in at one stage, it looked like they could outdo India in a semi-final once again. But in the end, another Mohamed Chami masterclass. This time he took seven and some good death bowling from Kuldeep and Bumrah did the business for the host. I'm Yazrana and with me today is Joe Harmon and Mark Butcher. Don't worry, we'll talk about the drama around the pitch as well. <laughs> um, Joe, on the field, though, this was another vintage India performance, especially with the bat. Yeah, the procession continues. Um, yeah, as you say, spirited effort from Kiwis to get as close as they did. At one stage, a bit of excitement when Mitchell and Williamson were putting on a partnership, but even then it flashed up, runs required... 10 and over from 21 overs out it was it was never really on the cards India were brilliant and what what a day for Indian cricket uh it felt like an early parade I guess you could say the only thing you'd say maybe Kohli's gone one game too early to have done it in, in the final maybe would, he, maybe would have even been even more perfect but yeah with with Sachin there in the stands Kohli bowing to him as he reached the landmark it was uh yeah written in the stars I guess to an extent Beckham obviously on hand as well. <laughs> Just as well. <laughs> what would a World Cup semi-final be without without Beck's out on the field? He was looking quite bored for a lot of it, but he did <laughs> he did he did perk up when uh, when the landmark was reached. Yeah, to be honest, at the start of the day when I was thinking who they're going to be talking to at half time during a World Cup semi-final, I didn't have 
David Beckham on my list. I didn't have um, Simon Dahl giving a review of the, the Beckham <laughs> Netflix documentary <laughs> series either. That quite, was, quite a sincere review it was, as well, yeah. yeah. Um, I got the impression just... he didn't like David Beckham at all before that series, though, reading between I've the got, lines. Speaking of, I just finished the Robbie Williams one, which surprised me. Oh, I mean, it's really, yeah. really good. But anyway, I digress. Um, <laughs> on the cricket, um, we've said a few times this tournament that this India batting line really complements each other. Rohit races out the blocks, Gill follows in his slipstream. Kohli accumulates and then they go crazy end. This time it was Treyas Ayer that did the damage. Uh, 105 of 70 balls to go with his 100 in the previous game. Stylistically, he reminds me of Dhoni mm. in that when he tries to hit sixes, he sort of abandons the coaching manual and does does away with the high elbow and sort of has that like really low to high flourish. Um, he has been really, really good this second half of the tournament. And, and, and actually, we saw today that uh, as smoothly as it seemed to be going for India for a lot of that first innings, those runs they scored in the last 15 overs were absolutely crucial to them getting the win. Yeah, they were. I mean, the the, the pitch, I know we'll, we'll talk about how it got to be the pitch, but that it was a belter, wasn't it? And they they played magnificently. And, and the fact that, that New Zealand got to within 70 in the run chase against that bowling attack shows you that it was a, a, a pretty decent surface. Um, and, and Shreya Sire is just a, a fabulously talented player. I cannot imagine, and this... You know, this goes for all of the Indian players, not just the ones who were probably spotlight and highlight today. The um, the pressure that, that they feel every time they take the part. Yes, they're playing at home. Yes, they're a fabulous team with all, all parts of it are working exactly as you'd want them to. Um, however, you know, you come under the most intense scrutiny that there is as a, as a sports person, at least in cricket anyway, um, simply because of the, the number of people that have an interest, that have an opinion. And of course, over the, the course of his career, he was spotlighted as highlighted as being a very talented um, young player from, from a long way out. I remember interviewing him back in 2015 on my first stint at the IPL. And he was, you know, he was having, um, he was having stars uh, shaved into his head. He kind of, he, he, he rated himself back then. Not with it, not without, not with any um, sort of arrogance, but, you know, he had that sort of confidence about him that he was destined for great things. But batting at number four in that top, top order for India in a World Cup with all of the players at their disposal, you know, the guys, the talented players that don't make the team. Um, he came under quite a lot of fire for his form, not quite being right. And he perhaps doesn't have the the, the silkiness of, of some of the other players in the order, as you quite rightly highlight in terms of the way that he plays the game. So that when he does fail, um, you know, people wonder whether he's up to it. But he's a wonderful ball striker and just a, a brilliantly complementary to the way that the, the way that India go about making runs in, in 50 over cricket. You've got your classicists. Um, Rohit's role has been interesting to me because, you know, here is somebody that has made what two, is it two or three double hundreds in, in 50 over? Is it three? Three. It is it? three. Um, you know, and he seems to have, he seems to have gone, you know, the way of, okay, well, my responsibility to this team is to get us off to a flyer and we've got other players who will play in a different, different way. But we've got somebody like Shreya Sire who can then come in and put the foot down through the, through the middle part of the innings, backed up with people like Kale Rahul coming in after that. And, and the way that they, they all play together complements it. And Shreya Sire is a huge, huge part of that. And, and I'm kind of, you know, I have a little bit of a, a soft spot for him having, having met him all those years ago. Um, and it's wonderful to see him take on that pressure, um, but the uh, the critics, and go out there and perform on the on the biggest stage. Well, there's one bigger, obviously, and that's coming up on Sunday. Mm. I think just yeah, just on I, I think we, we, I think it was the last time the three of us were sat around was after India thrashed England. It feels like a very long time ago now, 
and he'd got out for a single figure score and he hadn't really set the world light so far in the World Cup. And I think and I think we and he got some difficult questions at press conference soon after, identified him as the possible weak link in that Indian top five. And as it's been shown, there is no weak link in that top five. They're all averaging mm. 50. They're all scoring at what, about a strike rate of 100 or above. Uh, it's just formidable. Um, even if you do get early wickets, which hasn't really happened against India, they just keep coming at you. And, and Surakumar Yadav hasn't even really, he can just come out and have a slog for the last couple of overs. He hasn't really had a chance to do that much more than that. Um, yeah, whoever they get in the final is going to have a real tough job mm. keeping that top five under wraps. But it's looked like that for quite a few weeks now. Yeah, I think on Ayo as well, he's he's obviously a very good player, but I think he's particularly good in India on the lower, slower pitches. And also the way he just blitzes spin is, is amazing. He's probably more so than anyone else in that top five. He's probably the most comfortable going from ball one against spin. Um, but I wanted to ask you about Rohit again, actually. Um, I know he fell for, for less than 50 again today, but he, he's possibly my player of the tournament in, in that he's getting them off to these head starts almost, but it's also the impact on the players below and players like Shreyas Iyer. Um, so five times in 10 games this tournament, India have got to 79 or higher after 10 overs. In 2019, not once did they get to 70 off 10 overs. That's a complete change. And um, I know the, the the balance of the team is, is, is different. I know they've got slightly more batting depth lower down the order than they did in 2019. But he is completely, you know, we're talking about leadership a lot with regards to, to England's tournament. Yeah. But Rohit has got a game plan that he wants them to play and he, by his own actions, is making sure it's implemented. Yeah, and, and yeah, in the field, he's brilliant as well. I mean, his 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 tactical nous of, of sort of managing a, managing a game out there in the field, which he had to call upon on, on many an occasion today. It wasn't, you know, 70 runs is, is a flattering margin of victory, I think, in the end, because there were, there were times there when um you know the the new zealand and with new zealand you're always worried that somehow they're going to they're going to pull something out of the fire because they they're they're unflappable really um and so he had to he had to captain the team and marshal his bowlers he only got five of them of course he's got no safety valve really unless you uh, unless you include Coley. um and so you know he's just he's just a proper statesman and he uses the experience the irony for me is is that in the in the old days of rohit sharma when he was clearly that you know that the golden boy, the most talented batter in India, but couldn't hold down a place. That was that those sorts of innings were the sort of things that he'd get left out yeah. for. Um, but now as the, as the leader of the team, um, setting the tone, uh, it's absolutely in keeping with, with what, with what his team and the style of cricket he wants him to play. So it's funny how the worm turns. Mm. Uh, just on the numbers of that Indian top five, uh, Rohit is averaging 55, striking 124. Gill's averaging 50, strike rate of 108. Kohli averaging 101, striking at 90. Ayer averaging 75, striking at 113. And KL Rahul averaging 77 at a strike rate of 99. Ouch. Um, Joe, that's the, before you get to the bowlers. And that's before you get to the bowlers. <laughs> um, Joe, the moment the game was undoubtedly Kohli getting to that 50th 100. Uh, lots of stats. Uh, he broke the record for the most runs in a single World Cup. Uh, it's eighth 50 plus score in 10 games at the tournament. Obviously, the first man to get to uh, 50 ODI hundreds. Uh, we almost take it for granted, but that was actually a lovely moment seeing him bow straight to Sachin as well as soon as he got to the, the milestone. Yeah, like it was an amazing moment for Indian cricket that felt kind of like destiny in a that sounds naff but but it did as the as the moment was getting down and Kohli was getting down on his knees obviously it wasn't so long ago that Kohli was holding Sachin aloft after 
they won the World Cup on home soil. Um, yeah, it, it, and it, it felt like, inev- it felt inevitable, but actually it is worth remembering that Coley's career was on the rocks is strong, but he really was struggling for runs for quite a considerable period of time. There's lots of people saying, has he lost a bit of energy for it? Obviously had the captaincy taken away. It didn't feel that unlikely that long ago that Coley might drift away. And now he is batting as well as I think I've ever seen him absolutely relentless and that Indian team not only are they brilliant but they seem to be absolutely in harmony that going back to Rohit's role it's not very long ago that there was talk of kind of the, the big beasts of Indian batting maybe protecting their average a little bit not necessarily thinking of the team strategy now it seems like everyone knows exactly their role in that team and Kohli can play in the way that suits him best because he's got Rohit going out like a train he's got Shreya Sire coming beneath him mm. uh, and they yeah just keep coming at you mm. Um, but after one of the England defeats, you talked about the skill of being able to hit singles regularly without risks in ODIs, and there's no greater rotator of strike than Coley. What makes him so good at it? Is it is it sort of reading the length? Is it quick footwork? Is it um, <laughs> awareness of where the field is? Because he does just do it so well. And also just striking from the inning today, was it was 34 degrees or whatever, uh, players much younger than him struggling with the cramp. I know that he did when he was in, his, yeah. in, in the 90s, but his fitness and his, his ability to still pinch every quick two that's out there is, is quite uh, impressive as well. I think the most impressive thing about it, I, I can't tell you how why he's so good at it. I mean, the, the most impressive thing about it is that I've seen him play in T20 cricket where, where his strike rate can be, you know, up in the 140s, 150s. He's just, he has the ability, he's, he's a batsman. And therefore, he has the ability to to temper his game dependent on what the on what the situation requires and how many overs there are on the type of totals that you're looking to build. Um, and you know, he, he's somebody that can that doesn't have to be setting himself to hit a big shot to hit a big shot. If you see what I mean, his first thought perhaps is if the ball's in a certain area, I'll make sure that I get I'll make sure I at least get one, and then we'll work work up from there. Whereas a lot of modern players, particularly those who have played more T20 cricket over the course of their careers. Um, than 50 over cricket, they tend to think the other way around. You know, it's boundary first and then um, and, and then rotate the strike. And and when you're thinking in that manner, you, you'll have your day where the, where the boundaries come flying. But when you're thinking in that manner, you also you, you have a lot of dot balls. And that's kind of, you know, the, the situation and the, and the conditions that you're playing in. Some days you're, you're going to be better off starting with the, with the lower output thought and then cashing in on, on sort of on the balls that are given to you than thinking the other way around. And I think he's a master of being able to do that. I mean, obviously, balance and touch and all of those things, awareness of the field, um, reading the, reading pitch conditions and angles and all those types of things will come into it. But I think perhaps just fundamentally, his, he, has, he understands that he has a tempo in which, they, in which he can play, where even on a, on a bad day, he's never going to be too far away from being a runner ball. Mm. Um, and and then go from there. And like you say, it, it helps when you've got a batting lineup around you that complements that, that style of play. Mm. Um, great stat from Andy Zaltzman. Coley now has um, as many ODI 100s in 221 matches as India collectively did in their first 347 ODIs as a nation from 1974 <laughs> to January 1998, um, which which covered 2,922 innings. Um, Shami took seven. His world rec- his World Cup record is is totally absurd. So he's got 54 wickets in 17 games. Eight times out of 17, he's taken a four wicket haul. So Wazi Makram took 55 World Cup wickets at 23.8, which is good going. Shami has taken one fewer wicket from 21 fewer games, which is totally 
ridiculous. He wasn't in the side for the first four games of the tournament. Joe, India obviously underrated Shami. So what, what do you think's happened there? Because he's been around for ages and he's been good for, for, for a very long time. But he does sort of feel like, I guess, potentially because of how good Boomer is. He's sort of under the radar as, as someone who, who can be this effective against the very best sides in the world because he's having a, a ridiculous tournament. Well, he's an extremely good, extremely talented bowler who's also on a hot streak. I mm. mean, it, it does seem like everything he tries is is coming off at the moment uh, to finish with seven in a World Cup semi. But I guess the greatest compliment you can give him is is he's made Bumrah almost a support act. And that's unthinkable. I mean, one of the greatest fast bowlers I've ever seen. And Shami has now almost become the leading man. Um, <laughs> yeah, just... It does seem astonishing that he couldn't make the side at the start. I guess Siraj, who went for a few today, has had his moments at the World Cup as well. He was the number one ODI-ranked mm. bowler at the start of the tournament. I don't know if he still is. Um, so I guess that just goes to show the depth they've got at their disposal. Uh, and they could still, if they wanted to, they could find a spot for Ashwin and, and yeah. drop a seam. And they obviously <laughs> won't do that at this stage, especially with Pandya yeah. not there. But the flexibility they've got is scary. And obviously, they're incredibly well suited to these conditions. Um, and it's all set up for them to an extent. <laughs> but this side, I think, at the moment would win a World Cup in any country wherever it was played. I just think that they're, they're so good. This is this is their time. Mm. Um, but what about you? Do, do you agree with that? I, I I love the way he bowled. I mean, it's kind of in the same way that we're talking about Coley being almost a almost a throwback, I suppose. Shami's the same. He runs up. With when the ball is brand new within the power play and holds the seam bolt upright, bowls a, a, a really, really tight line and a brilliant length, a length that you can't go back or forward to. Doesn't bother with too many variations um, and just just ploughs away, burns a hole in the in, in the deck on a, on a really good length, hitting the top of off stump. I mean, it's, it's pretty basic, mm. isn't it? Um, and there at times in the IPL where he's gone the... Di- where I he's travelled, yeah, yeah. Where he's travelled. I mean, you know... I, why? Why he's suddenly more? I don't know whether he's put on a little bit, a little bit of extra pace. Maybe I don't know. He just seems to be. He's in such a great rhythmic groove at the moment that he just has total control over where he's putting the ball. Um, I guess I was trying to. I was sort of thinking, watching him earlier on. You know, what would I do? His record against the left-handers has been astonishing. In the yeah, but just like five. So yeah. I think. I was just trying to think about what, what perhaps I would. You know, the, the the strategy that you would take, and I think really the only thing to do is be try to make him bowl shorter. Which, which would mean, for me, it, it reminded me of playing against somebody like Gillespie around about sort of 2000, 2001, 2002, who when he went round the wicket, very, didn't bowl much, don't bowl many short balls, even though he was quick, but always seemed to be attacking the top of top corner of your off stump from around the wicket. And so to him, I'd try and take a, take a guard about, you know, two feet, two and a half feet outside off stump. So the, the, the same length that he wanted to bowl to me was passing over over the stumps. And then if you want, you know, then if you wanted to get up there, it was it was sort of drivable. It was going past the middle of the bat rather than the top corner, and that was about the only thing that I could come up with. Um, even if even if you're thinking about just trying to see him off for a few overs, you know, get the get the shine off the ball would be try to try to make him bowl slightly shorter than he is mm. at the moment because the length that he's hitting is unbelievably tough. Getting a little bit of movement either way with it with a seam up, and you 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 kind of contrast that to New Zealand in the in their first innings. Uh, when they bowled, sorry, and kind of the the lack of discipline in being able to hold a hold a line of length, or you know, going to variations really quickly when batters are kind of you know they're just playing normally, really, albeit Rohit um, came out fast. Um, you know, the the lack of ability to be able to hold that sort of line and length and going to variations too quickly before 
you know, before it's necessary when batters aren't having a wipe, um, was something that really was contrasting in in, in the styles of the, the two bowling attacks, I think. Mm. Anyway, that's it for part one. In part two, we'll talk more about New Zealand and then the pitch controversy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, Joe, for New Zealand, this was one step too far in the end. With the ball, as Butch just said, they were very rarely able to apply any sort of sustained pressure. Yeah, they were wayward. Unusually so. Trent Bolt didn't have his best day. Tim Southey leaked a few. Uh, Lockie Ferguson was brought into the attack sooner than they'd want him to because they were going for so many runs and also went a distance. Again, Santner was used earlier than they'd have liked. Uh, we talked before today about the fact that New Zealand have got by with four specialist bowlers and then made up a fifth. That's That was always going to be tricky against this Indian side. And I think they did get found out. But as Ian Smith was saying on commentary, I think for this New Zealand side to reach semi-finals of a World Cup in India, I think is a really good achievement. Uh, anything other than that would have exceeded expectations. Um, so I think they can be pretty happy with their work, really. Um, we haven't mentioned Daryl Mitchell were you going to get to that? I was going to get to, okay. to him, yeah. Um, it's just bizarre that the bloke's hit 134, biggest score ever in a men's World Cup semi, and he's probably, the, what, the fifth biggest story of the day? If you yeah. go Sachin, Aya, Bex. Shami, Bex, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. But that's typical, typical of New Zealand. Always under the radar, always sort of under, not underestimated, but always kind of, you know, like the, the well, they are the bridesmaids, aren't they? That's and I the, think you're right, Mitchell kind of, embodies that i interviewed him a few months ago and he kind of made an art form out of being humble i couldn't get him to say anything <laughs> constructive about his own game because it's just all about the team but yeah. he, but his, his story is one of the great late career transformations really i mean he was it's that world cup t20 world cup semi-final against england in what november 2021 so yeah. two years ago exactly when he was already 30 yeah and he was putting as a makeshift over and he, he clothed it around for the first 10 overs. It looked like he was losing in the game. And then out of nowhere, these shots came. And he's basically not stopped since. Mm. Some, some stats. So he's averaging 57 in test cricket since then, averaging 50 in ODIs. I saw uh, someone tweet and say, how many better cross-format batsmen are there in the world right now? There can't be many. And, and, and he's right. You know, he's, he is doing it in different ways. I know Butch, as a, as a big fan of batsmanship, enjoys this in players that you can see. They can mm. do it in various different ways different formats, different conditions. And I think Mitchell's a really good example of that. And what about those straight drives? Mm. I don't know if anyone plays them better in the world at the moment God, than him he, right now. He's, he's the best hitter of straight sixes, I think. And he also doesn't just hit them off full balls. He just, he's, he's able to just, yeah, hit, hit it hit it straight, hit it far off balls that really aren't that bad. Mm. Um, but you're, you're right. The, the age thing is, is part of it. For a long time, not for a long time, because he only started playing international cricket four years ago. Um, initially, I thought he's only good against England. But now it does look like he, he he scores runs against everyone. But prior to that, obviously that home England home summer where he scored what three hundreds, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, didn't get him out. Did he? Yeah, I mean prior to that, he looked like a kind of middle of the road batting all rounder. Doesn't really bowl much these days. Uh, just focus on the batting. I think that's Smart probably move. probably fair enough. Yeah, says a man with experience there. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sarup asks, was the focus? Um, on the used pitch unnecessary or too far? 
Um, Mark, there are a few strands to this story. We were talking about this earlier. The issue isn't necessarily what the pitch was, because no. as we agreed, it was it was good. Yeah. Uh, and also, um, we're almost getting philosophical about when does a used pitch no longer become a used pitch because of how long it had been since that pitch <laughs> was last used. They've all been used at some point. Exactly, <laughs> yes. Um, anyway, I mean, the, the issue isn't the pitch that was produced, but but more that the due protocol hasn't been followed. Yeah, look, um, there, is a, there is a growing perception around the world in the, in the game of cricket that the ICC is merely a, a sort of a, an executive branch of the PCCI. And when things like this happen, it, it does very little to kind of to, to, to change people's opinion of, of, of that being the status quo. Now, you know, to have Andy Atkinson, the sort of the ICC pitch inspector, apoplectic at the, at, the, at the way that that whole thing had gone about, regardless of whether or not the, you know, the, the, um, you know, the Maharashtra um, Cricket Association were actually overall in charge of the conditions, to, to feel as though the ICC have kind of been blindsided by by a decision that that, that they clearly hadn't been made aware of until the until the leak came doesn't do much to to change people's thought that the ICC basically does whatever the BCCI wants and look India are the are the best best team in the tournament right and if they win it they will have deserved to want to win it for that fact is there is there any need whatsoever for there to be any sort of shenanigans whereby the gloss gets taken off the brilliance of their their playing team by this sort of you know this nagging suspicion that um, you know that the the dice are loaded in their favour outside of the the playing field as well um, and so you know stuff like this shouldn't it shouldn't happen um, you know and again that the pitch was fine there was no issues with how it played the issue is not how the pitch played the the issue is the the, the the railroading of, of protocol around how it came about, mm. um, and and that gives it gives that perception that that things are not as they ought to be, or at least that the playing field is not that level. It gives it even more legs than it has already. Mm. Uh, the, the story was broken by Lawrence Booth in the in the Daily Mail, and I think the key bit is a part of an email that Andy Atkinson sent to his bosses. So Andy Atkinson is the ICC pitch consultant, he wrote, um, as a result of these actions, uh, one must speculate if this will be the first ever ICC Cricket World Cup final to have a pitch which has been specifically chosen and prepared to their, India's, stipulation at the request of the team management and or the hierarchy of the home nation board, or will it be selected or prepared without favouritism for either of the sides competing in the match in the usual manner? Um so I mean that that's significant that the guy who's literally the ICC's man to oversee the production of pitches is expressing concern that the pitch preparation for the final will be directed by India. So Atkinson has flown out to Ahmedabad early to more proactively oversee preparation for the final because of his concerns that um, what had been agreed um, hadn't been adhered to or what was agreed hasn't been followed through on. And and it's not all malicious, right? So. There have been a few games at Ahmedabad, um, not involving India, that the the pre-tournament plan wasn't followed, um, and there was no communication. So it's not necessarily India adopting pitches to suit themselves. It's more they are literally just doing what they want and not consulting um, the relevant bodies, and that that's the issue is at the moment. Well, which again, you know, the the, the perception is that the the ICC does what the BCCI wants and, and the reality looks as though that is the case, you know, and mm. that, again, that's got nothing to do with India being the best side and nothing to do with what happened on the, on the field today, but that, you extrapolate that 
to to other concerns, whether it be about money, whether it be about you know tournament um, uh, tournament hosting, whether it be about um, television rights, whether it be about any of those things. The perception is already there that there is something slightly awry, and then when things like that happen, it reinforces it for people. And you know, it, it's a it, it's an unnecessary blight on the on the on the Indian playing squad who are utterly fabulous. Mm. Um, worth reading out the ICC statement on the story. Uh, changes to plan pitch rotations are common towards the end of an event of this length and has already happened a couple of times. This change was made on the recommendation of the venue creator in conjunction with our host. The ICC independent pitch consultant was apprised of the change and has no reason to believe the pitch won't play well. So Atkinson was given um, a non-specific reason that he, was, he, was, he wasn't given a reason. He was told that there was a reason, but he wasn't told what the reason was, why the pitch had to be changed. Um Joe, we're going to do a, a longer preview of the final tomorrow. Um, do you think, having watched that game, obviously the final margin of victory was 70 runs, so it doesn't look that close, but do you almost see more ways in which this brilliant India side could actually lose against a team that's properly on it on a given day? Based on today? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> to All right, be honest. Then. <laughs> no, I think New Zealand did well to get as many as they as they got, but when you're chasing that, bigger mm. total you chance your arm and, and you know you can end up being skittled for 120 or you can get reasonably close I, I, I don't think there were any glaring weaknesses shown up I suppose one you could potentially identify they have only got those five bowlers and Siraj does appear to be of that five a weak link that's not to say that he is a weak mm. link as a bowler in general he's a very very good bowler but such as the strength of that five he is probably one to go after as much as you possibly can but you know it's, it's easier said than done um the only I, I think I'm trying to think who I think is more likely to beat India, and I just keep coming back to the fact that I don't think either of them will beat India. There's, there's, I think maybe South Africa's kind of meaty middle order is is the best hope of of someone overcoming India that they just get to a total that is just beyond India to, yeah. that you just can't get to. They can do extraordinary things. Where I think Australia have have made big totals in this tournament, but they play in a slightly more kind of methodical way. I think that will potentially play into mm. India's hands a bit more. But I, yeah, I, just, I just think India are, are too strong. Um, and yeah, it'd be, I'd be amazed if they slip up now. What, what's the record for the amount of, not necessarily World Cup games, but sort of, you know, 50 over matches on the bounce? Are we anywhere, you know, 11? What, what are we now? Oh, 10. So I remember... So they'd have to the, win 11. The Australia women's side... They're, I think when they broke the record, that was something around 25, right. I'd say. I mean, so they've won 10 in the World Cup. Yes. And, and they then, won the Asia Cup leading into it, although they did lose games. They did lose one, in, I think, yeah. to Bangladesh Cup. or Sri Lanka. Okay. So, yeah. So, I mean, you know, there is always the sort of, you know, the... the um the, the crumb of the crumb of hope is that you know, you, you're going to have to have a... You're going to have a bad day at some point. And there was, you know, there were a couple of things. Um, again, pressure, who knows, but didn't get off to the greatest start. Gave away a lot of extras. Fielding was a little bit ragged at times until um, until Jadeja put his <laughs> tractor beam on and, and got underneath everything that went up in the air. Um, and so, you know, they're not, you know, no one's superhuman. No one is beyond, um, you know, falling to to the uh, to the nerves or the expectations of the occasion. You just, at the moment, the way that they are playing and the fact that everybody seems to be in such great form, you can't see it 
happening to them. But Australia or South Africa are not ter- are not bad teams. Mm. In fact, they're very, very dangerous on their day. And again, you know, the, the toss comes down the other way. You bat first, you put 350 on the board. Yeah. You're, you're, in, the, you're in the game. Yeah. Mm. 100% you're in the game. There is some debate about the Ahmedabad pitch already and, and, and some confusion around which surface it will be that they play on. That could be another way that India potentially fall down by maybe trying to be a bit too clever about the surface that they play on, whereas actually they're best off just playing on, you know, a, a surface that is is neutral because, mm. you know, if you have a play on wearing surface that offers a bit, then you never know you could come unstuck against the side that could actually level the playing field. Well, the pitches in 2019, I mean, you were quite vocal about this, were were newsworthy for for different reasons in that they weren't they were so far off what England had been playing on in the four years leading up to it. There was the, and, you and certainly couldn't accuse um, of England of, of having of having uh, of having had a say in the surfaces they played. I mean, the, the final one was uh, was the, the case in point, really. But when you have pitches like that, they actually end up being more of a leveller, if anything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm not entirely sure that's what you'd want, is it? If you if you're India, but. Mm. Look again. I'm not saying that there was any that there has been any skullduggery. I'm, what I am saying is is that people already think that, that the BCI call all of the shots around the world and things like that happening have, have, have kind of just highlighted that fact mm. and made that that argument stronger, as opposed to sort of hey look at us we've we've got we've got one of the best ODI teams that has ever been at the moment and we're and we've got a very good chance of winning the world cup that should be the only talking point yeah i, I guess a, a more generous possible view on it is that there have been so many aspects to the world cup's preparation that haven't been normal so it wouldn't surprise me at all if this just just is really crap communication and there's no malice behind any of this no but but then but that's isn't that that's important isn't it you know that's unbel- that's very very important if you Anytime, anytime you're in an organisation, you're trying to, um, you know, you you want the, the the right noises to be coming out. The, the the communication of that fact. Anytime there is no communication or the communication breaks down, um, speculation and, uh, and and conspiracy theories jump into the vacuum where where the communication should have been. Um, and maybe they don't care. I mean, you know, probably they probably they don't. Mm-hmm. But um, it's just. It, it it leaves a, it leaves a sour taste and believe me believe you me there are an, an enormous amount of cricket fans all over the world outside of India who think that basically BCCI and and Indian cricket gets whatever it wants and the ICC are toothless to do anything about it and today made that um, you know made those noises grow ever ever louder. Mm. Um, just one positive for India, I guess today is that they're record in knockout cricket is actively bad and that they were able to play the same brand of cricket with the bat that's a tick because you didn't necessarily know that before. But it the way they bat, it's, it's sort of dicing with death a little bit. You know, there are a few moments very early on that, you know, Sharma plays an attacking shot that only just evades a fielder. Ayo was nearly out on, I think, six um, playing a very attacking shot. So I guess if you're looking for very small things that opposition can can cling on to, that, that's another one um, that is just by its very nature a, a high-risk approach with the bat. Um I've got one gripe um, that I've got to get off my chest. I really hate these in-game interviews with legends. So today, I love Viv Richards, but do we need a half an hour interview with Viv Richards on the 1979 World Cup whilst we're in the middle of a crucial World Cup semi-final? Um, I don't think so. Um, anyway, um, that is everything for today. We'll be back tomorrow for the second semi-final. Uh, This has been the Wisden Cricket World Cup daily podcast powered by Scene. Once again, Scene 
are our video partners on wisdom.com helping us to deliver a more engaging and immersive viewing experience across mobile, tablet and desktop. Head to the link in our description to find out more. Podcast Network.